You're listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and deep calling to deep. Today's message is brought to you by Kim Thompson. The King of Glory. Hallelujah. We welcome Him. I know I'm not the only person in the room that need God today. Lift Him up today. He is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Thank Him. Hallelujah. For being the restorer. Hallelujah. I'm not the only one that got family members that need Jesus. Give Him glory this morning. We worship you, God. We thank you for this day. Hallelujah. Give Him His praise today, God. Hallelujah. Lift up the heads, O ye gates, ye everlasting doors. Let the King of glory come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord God, strong and mighty. Hallelujah. Bless his name today. I want his presence. Hallelujah. Let your presence be made known and felt today, God. We worship you today. It's about you, Jesus. It's about you, Jesus. We thank you today, God. Hallelujah. We bless you. We bless you. We bless your name. None of us could have got up this morning if you hadn't breathed your breath in our lungs. Somebody didn't get up today. Give him glory for your life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It's his, it's his show. It's his way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We give him glory this morning. I welcome you here, Holy Spirit. Have your own way. Consume us in your fire this morning, God. Let your presence be made known and felt on every individual in the room, God. Speak through me, Lord. I am a willing vessel this morning. Give me your strength. Lead, guide, and direct me this morning in your word. In the name of Jesus. We bless you. We bless you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it don't take much for me to get stirred. So we bless the Lord this morning. Because he is good all the time. And all the time, he is good. We bless him this morning. Hallelujah. My message uh, this morning that the Lord gave me about a month ago pretty sobering word, and speaking directly to the church, each church, each individual. I named, he named it, I didn't name it, he named it, the seven churches. Which one are you? I'll be coming to you out of the book of Revelations. Hallelujah. I'll start with talking about how John the Apostle John, John the Revelator after this, the friend of God, the beloved John, had an encounter with Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, Island of Patmos, having been the overseer of some churches in Asia Minor. He was banished from the society by the Romans and kept away from religious influences. He had one of the most horrible sentences, second to being death. They exiled him. Jesus appeared to John. John saw seven lampstands, seven, the seven churches, which you'll find in verse 13. You can reference John 1, 9, 8, 12, and Matthew 5, 14. Now, Andy, I want you to read. Isaiah 53. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, 
like a root in the dry ground. Hallelujah. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Now this is the this is Christ that Isaiah described in the beginning. But who John saw was the resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. John's vision was of a physical represent, representation of Christ. Uh, Christ standing in his rightful place amid the churches. As we know, Christ is the light. We all have the opportunity to be lampstands shining for Christ in a dark world. As the church, we do not create the light. We are reflecting a reflection of his light. Our primary purpose is to carry his light. As I said, John saw a very different Christ. He said his eyes was like flames of fire. You can reference Psalms 11, 14, uh, Hebrews 4, 13. His eyes, whom nothing is hidden, eyes that will judge all mankind. He described his hair as white. That suggested the age and the wisdom that he carried. Hallelujah. The dignity and the honor that he stepped in when he became, when he, when he, when he rose again. Hallelujah. All power in his hand. He said his feet was like brass, symbol of judgment. You can find that in Revelation 1, 13 through 20. John also saw other features of Christ. His mouth had the sword. His voice, which was the word, his voice was like a roaring waters, piercing the soul and the spirit. Hallelujah. Find the reference in uh, Ephesians 6.17, Hebrews 4.12. And in his right hand, Christ held seven stars, representing the, his authority. Matthew 28.18, Ephesians 1.20. I believe the stars stand for the pastors of the seven churches who received authority from Christ to lead their churches. Not their authority, but Christ's authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Revelations 1.17 says, this vision of Christ. Had John so in awe, he fell at the feet of Christ for dead. As we know, this is not the first person to respond to God's presence this way. You can find Moses did in Exodus 3.16. 3.6, I'm sorry. Gideon, Judges 6.22 through 23, Balaam, Numbers 22:31, and Joshua 5:14. Also Abraham in Genesis 17:3. Go ahead, Kim, you can start reading. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in the right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, yeah. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my, my, my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which in the midst of the paradise of God. So we'll start with Ephesians. It's the first church that the Lord had John to send a letter to. We call them the loveless church. Church of Ephesians was one of the most prominent churches in Asia Minor. They had great qualities, such as their perseverance, their endurance, their church discipline that they guarded against false teaching, Revelations 2, 2 through 3. But in verse 4, this is where they went wrong. They had one fatal flaw. 
they lost their first love. They went through the motions of going to church because that's what they were used to doing. Church started nine, offering at 9.30, 10 o'clock we do this, 10.30 we do that, left the Holy Ghost out of the building. Mm. And when you do that, mm. you've made a, a, a horrible mistake. Mm. Everything about Ephesian church looked good outwardly, but their heart wasn't in it. James 2, 26 says, it's be- says it best. Faith without works is completely dead. Yes. Yes. It's dead. Jesus warns having works with no love is no good, no devotion. Just, just going through the motions. Just, just, just like you go to work every day. You don't, you don't bring anything to him. Look what he did to Cain's sacrifice. Can't do it. And a lot of the churches today, is, this is what's going on. So Revelations 2.5, Jesus gave solutions to Ephesus. He said, remember, repent, repeat. Remember to go back to your relationship with Christ, how it was in the beginning when you first got saved. Reflect on what it was like, the freshness, the renewedness, how eager you were to be in his presence. A lot of us need to go back and remember how it was when you first gave your life to God. I don't know about you, but I was so excited. I was so excited. I felt so loved, and I was just eager to get in there and do something. It was new. It's like a new relationship, a new love, a new girlfriend, a boyfriend that you get, you know, that you're in relationship with. It was awesome. It was beautiful. I was on fire. Still is. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. But um, you got to have that same zeal. Can't lose it. When your fire go out, your lampstand go out. When the fire leave the lampstand, Jesus is no longer with you. The Holy Spirit leaves. So remember, repent was the next thing he said. After you remember, realize where you were and now compare the two. Look back at it and see where you stand today. If you lack that luster that you had for God in the beginning, then check yourself. Because the king is requesting us. He's requesting the bride to come up. He told me the other day, he said, Kim, the reason I'm here, like I am, and I haven't moved the way I want to is because I'm doing a facelift in the church. The church needs a facelift. We done got slowful, lazy, just doing it because, well, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, anyhow. We don't pray. We won't fast. I don't think some of us know what a fast is anymore. But it's a part of your walk with Christ. We talk about one another. We backbite, backbite, we murmur. We talk about our leaders. Hallelujah. We're incorrect. We're wrong. That's not what God is calling the bride to be today. Repent, he says. Remember, repent, and turn from your ways. Repent. Let Let me refresh your memory about it. When you repent, you change your mind about the way you're thinking. It's a change of heart. God looking for the pure in heart. He said they're the ones that's going to see him. Nothing but. Hold on, y'all. Repeat. Original work's over. Get back to the place where you began. Do your first works over. Verse 5, return to what you did in the beginning, the spiritual disciplines that kept you close to him. Example of a newborn baby. Newborn baby can't be without his parent. They'll die. 
Somebody got to love on them and nurture them. Well, that's the same way we ought to be about Christ. You ought not be able to do a thing without him. When you wake up in the morning, you ought to be the first thing on your mind. And don't get me wrong, we all human. You got children, you got jobs, you got bills, you got, you got things going on. But if I forget when I hit the floor to call his name and tell him thank you, because trust me, some people I know didn't wake up. I repent and I begin to tell him thank you. Lead my day, God, because I don't know what, what today going to bring. All I know is what you showed me. And if I don't have your presence, I can't see a thing. You want the presence of God at, every, at all times with you. Depending and leaning on him and not yourself. Because trust me, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to make a mistake. Get rid of the religion. And focus back on, the, on him. The one that was sent. The one that gave you what you have. The one that's going to save your unsaved children and heal and restore your families. Put your mind back on him. It's him. After you repeat and repent and remember, hallelujah, then God will restore you back to him the way he wants to do. He's a loving God because he don't even have to warn us. But these warnings are real, just like they was for the churches in Asia Minor. They are just as real today for each one of us. Get your house in order with him. You want to read the warning? And to the angel and the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Hallelujah. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, and he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Hallelujah. Before I start on Smyrna, let me go back to Ephesus. <clears throat> In verse 5, he said, if you don't repent, I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Meaning that he will remove the church of Ephesus' influence and their power. So you can't do nothing. If he, if he remove himself from you, you're dead. So back to Smyrna. Thank you, uh, Kim. Appreciate you, Pastor. Smyrna is only two churches out of the seven that God didn't have anything ill to say about. And Smyrna was one of them. The church of Smyrna was called the suffering church. We as Americans think very little about being persecuted for our faith. But there are some churches in the world where oppression is a daily reality. Such the case for the church at Smyrna. Refusing to worship the pagan gods of the Roman emperors, they experienced pressure, poverty, and persecution in verse 9. They experienced the ugliest of oppression. You know, I, I, studying this, I had to go back and I said, Lord, who could I do it? Ask yourself the question. These people probably had to hide, be in caves. Uh, no food, imprisoned. The bare essentials, but they faith. They believed in their God. No matter what came. Oh, Sha. When I look at the church of Smyrna, Hayobosata, it makes me just, I, I, I tell you, that's something. To not be able to publicly say, Thank you, Lord. Or God, I give you glory. And we have the freedom to do it. And we won't do it. We treat him like a foreigner in his own house. Yeah. 
in his own building, in his own place. We tell him, stand back here, Holy Spirit, because I got something to do. Church of Smyrna couldn't do that. They held true to their conviction. They loved God with all they had, and they didn't have anything. All they had was him, and he was enough. And they were willing to be martyred and killed for it. My God, ask yourself the question, saints. Could you do it? Could you stand? Ask yourself the question, the real question. Because see, these are the real lovers of Christ. When you'll die for him. Ask yourself that question. Christ's words to Smyrna was uh, encouraging. He told them to be fearless. Do not fear any of those things that you are about to suffer. See, he warned them that you're going to have to go through this, even death. Hallelujah. Because Christ is Lord over all life circumstances, we have nothing to fear. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 35 through 9, Paul wrote that nothing could separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus, fear is a natural response, but we have supernatural lives through the power of Christ in us. Be faithful is what he told them until death. And I will give you the crown of life, says the Lord in verse 10. So they were faithful, even knowing that they may die, even knowing that their lives may be taken. Even knowing that I'm not going to be able to eat because of my faith. Probably stoned and kicked and beaten, jailed, but they held on to God. I think it's beautiful. Hallelujah. I think it's awesome. And I pray for the saints around the world who go through persecution. That's why you see me and I'll set a blaze for him. Because I have the freedom to open my mouth freely and say, thank you, Lord. I have that freedom. But we don't know what's to come. A day going to come when you may not be able to do it. Give him glory while you can. And can you stand the test of time the Smyrna stood? Ask yourself that question, church. It's a real question. I'll move on. Pergamos. Pergamum. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write these things, says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and who commit sexual immorality. Thus also have those who uphold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To whom and who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Now, Pergamos, it's Pergamum in in the Bible. Pergamos, we call them the compromising church. Revelations 2, 12 through 17. Pergamos was known, had a nickname called Satan City. Mm. Probably because of all the paganism and the idolatry that they had. They had a big old statue of Zeus sitting up somewhere. Now, can you imagine living in a city where paganism is more prevalent than Christ? (sighs) Hmm. None for its strong, known for its strong roots in paganism and idolatry. The church demonstrated conviction. This was the good things God said about them. Courage by its mere existence. Yet idolatry had crept into 
the church. It's congregation. They had yoked the gospel of Jesus Christ with paganism, drawing Christ strong rebuke and, and strong and stern rebuke. As Kim read, he told them in verse 16 to repent, or else I will come quickly and I will fight against the promoters of Balaam. And the Nicolaitans was the sword of my mouth. Man, he was going to come against them fully. This mixture of beliefs is going on today in the church mm -hmm. where it's okay for you to be a homosexual and sing songs in the choir. It's okay for you to pray for people, but you're in adultery. It's okay for you to hate your brother and sister because they ain't the same color as you. Oh, yeah. It's going on today. Crystals and sage. Hear me. Witchcraft. Witches. It's a mixture. Witches pray harder than we do. They do. And they sit right in the church. But God say no to this mixture. There's only one true gospel, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. One true gospel. Anything else is a lie from the pit of hell. And God is speaking against it, even today. Many churches have crumbled under the banner of toleration. They're scared to speak against it. They want to keep members. They want people to like them. The devil is a lie. The enemy seeks to corrupt through compromise. Today's church has become so fixated on being relevant that it has become irrelevant. Because the outside, the world, they don't see no difference. They come in here, we look like them. We act like them. We talk like them. We curse like them. Come on. So they see no difference in us. So they're uninterested. Yes. See, they're looking for a difference. Yes. The truth. Yes. The Holy Spirit. Yes. But they can't find it because we so fickled yes. and we so uh, settled. Yeah. And, and, okay, yeah, well, we, we'll accept that. Oh, you can do that. Yeah. Or, you know, we can fix that. See, our minds is on silly things. Yeah. Hear me real well. Hear me real good. We so fixated on uh, how we going to paint the church or what this member or that member is doing or why they not doing this or doing that. Have your mind on God. Mind your business. Respect the elders of this church and be sanctified and holy. Leviticus 19.20 says, be ye holy for I am holy. You can't cut it with nothing. That's right. I remember my mom used to cut uh, her Clorox because she couldn't stand the, the smell of bleach. So she cut it with water. You can't do this with the spirit of God. You can't do this with the gospel. You got to tell it like it is. Come straight from the word of God. Anything else is a lie from the pit of hell. And you going to hell if you don't change. No more watering it down. Amen. As I said, the world finds very little that is different. So they're uninterested. People are looking for a change, something different. And we are supposed to be the change. How can God come get us? The bride is supposed to be dressed in white. Represent him. How can he when we so messed up? It's time for a change. And he sent me here today to tell us it's time for a change. To get right or he going to sweep through and change it for us. We need to be vigilant, sober, on guard, and speak the truth in love. 1 Peter 5, 8, Ephesians 4, 15. Our goal is confronting the sin. Not condemnation, but reconciliation. Yes. Tell people when they wrong yes. so that they can get their soul right with God. It's not that God wants to kill any of us 
or do away with any of us, but it's his will to be, be reconciled to him. All of us are reconcilers to Christ. Tell people, cry loud and spare not. If they don't like you, so what? They didn't like him. What's new, Mr. Magoo? Tell them. The day is coming when Christ will judge every soul. We have, as Christians, a responsibility to lead people to the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.18. Paul called this ministry the ministry of reconciliation. All of us have a responsibility to tell somebody about God, to, to tell them when they're wrong, to correct them, to help them out in love. Not like you the boss, but in love. But you tell them the truth is the only thing that's going to set you free. We must guard against dilution of the true doctrine. We can't define truth by our preferences. We must hold fast to the sound doctrine. If this makes us the minority, then so be it. Go ahead, Kim, and read. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience, and is for your works the last or more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and beguile, my servants, my to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her in the great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. But to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, and many as do not have this doctrine, and who have not known the depths of Satan as they call them, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and the potter's vessel shall be broken to pieces. And I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now this, this letter was sent to the church of Thyatira. Now we call the church of Thyatira the adulterous church. Mm. On the surface, the church was commendable for its love, its faith, and its service and patience. But, with, but Christ, with the eyes like a flame of fire, recognized their deceit. Verse 18, the one who searches the hearts and minds pierced through their veneers and penetrated their heart of the problem of immorality. So you can't hide from God. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to show me. And I, I may not see it because I'm human. But trust this thing. He, he knows. He sees. And you can get back past man, but you can't get past him. So a false prophetess was leading believers into compromise by her teachings she misled them into sexual immorality and dabbling into idolatry. It is possible Jezebel was her name, but it's more likely that the name was a meta- metaphorical reference to the Jezebel of old in the Old Testament, an idolatrous woman who posed, opposed God's ways rather than rebuking this false teacher. And sending her out of the church, the believers in Thyatira were allowing her to continue her deception. Mm. Is that not happening today? You got pastors sleeping with their parishioners. You got 
people are evangelists and prophets and leaders doing things they have no business doing, but leading the church. And the people know it. And they're okay with it. And if they're not okay, they're too scared to speak it. That's not okay. Hmm. Jesus says, Revelation 2.22, when the prophetess refuses, this is his warning, to repent. He warned her indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed. Revelations 2.23, he promised to kill the woman's children. May have referred to her physical children. And may be uh, referring to the children she had out of her immorality. Or the spiritual children she seduced into her practices. This warning is not just to her, but to those who had committed adultery with her. So see, they don't only get themselves in trouble, they get the people that they fornicate and, and cut up with in trouble too. All of them, God gonna, he gonna judge them all. Sin is sin. With the woman's uh, immorality, without repentance, they will find themselves in great tribulation. Hebrews 10, 31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Not every believer in Thyatira was immoral. Some knew God's holy standards and would not budge for them. Thank God for them. The message to those who believed and did not engage in the occult immorality was to stand their ground. Hold fast what you have till I come. Verse 25. And he said to the ones that are able to hold fast, the conquerors. Revelations 2 26 to 29, he lists his promises to the believers in Thyatira. To him that overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them into pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. I will also give him the morning star, Revelations 2, 26 to 28, which is himself, Jesus. Authority over, he said he'll give them one, authority over nations, two, victory over all the enemies, and himself, which is the morning star. Revelations 22:16 reveals before the great tribulation. Hallelujah. Well, they had a choice to make look like it, didn't they? Okay, Pastor, go ahead on with the next one. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. And you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and be before his angels. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, this is the fifth church. Sardis was the next letter that John, the, the Holy Spirit gave to John to write. They're called the dead church. Revelations 3.16. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The seven spirits represent the completeness of the Holy Spirit's ministry. Isaiah 11.25, uh, also 5 and 6, which the church of Sardis had shut out of its affairs completely. Again, if you watch this thing, it's a constant removal of the Holy Spirit. When you remove the Holy Spirit out of your service, out of your church, out of, your, out of you, you have nothing. He is a gentleman. He is not going to force himself upon you. He wants to be welcomed and allowed to move like he wants to. 
When you begin to run things and take things out of his hand, this is what you get. A, a very unpleased father. Okay. With Sardis, the lights were on, but the pe and the people showed up, but the power of the Holy Spirit was missing. He was completely gone out of the church. And this is, let me tell you what I believe as I read and the Holy Spirit began to talk to me. They didn't even know it. That's the scary thing. They thought they were living holy and righteous, completely gone out of their business, had left them. They didn't even know. Deception, an illusion. False. They think they're doing, you know, the will of God. And he ain't even in the building. He ain't even there. It is religion. Very much so. The other churches received praise from Christ along with his criticism. With this church, there was no commendations. Very displeased with the church of Sardis. Only condemnation. He told them he knew of their works, that they say they're alive, but they are truly dead. This church was full of what we today call nominal Christians. Christians in name only. Christ gave five instructions for the church that is dead. We see that today, unfortunately. We do. This church may have had a good reputation, but they were spiritually lifeless. No power. I'm going to even go further to say they really didn't pray a lot either. Because no prayer, no power. No prayer, you can't tell me nothing. Because you got to pray to hear from God. They weren't praying either. They had a good reputation, but they were spiritually lifeless. In other words, the church was filled with unsaved people going through the motions of religion. The biggest plague of the church today is religion. There were many tares among the wheat. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Jesus then calls them to repent of their sin. He tells them to wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, what you received and heard. Obey it and repent. Revelations 3, 2 through 3. To wake up means to start paying attention to their need of salvation. Because that's what's important. To stop being careless about their heart's condition before God. See, once saved, always saved. It take more than that. You better have the Holy Ghost. And you better know that you know that you got the Holy Ghost. Because there's coming a day. He's not saying this in his word for nothing. This is because he's going to say it. Depart from me. I know you not. You worker of iniquity. It's in there for a reason. And it ain't for the, out, the, the unsaved. He talking to us. Yes. Judgment of Sardis, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not even know what time I will come to you. Mm. Revelations 3, 3, a dead church and one unrepented in its deadness will be disciplined by Jesus himself. After the warning, Jesus encourages those in Sardis who remain faithful. Yet you have still a few people in Sardis who still have not soiled their clothes. See, coming for a church without a spot or wrinkle, you can have some soil on your garment if you want to, but you will be left behind. And that's the word from the Lord. They are worthy, he says. 
Ephesians 1, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4, 1, Colossians 1, 10, and 1 Thessalonians 2, 12. To be worthy is to match up with something. The profession of your faith with your mouth must match up with the reality of the faith in your heart. And if the two differ, you need to repent. Be sensitive to sin. Support the faithful. These are the things he's telling them to do. Be submissive to control of the Holy Spirit, meaning get out of the Holy Spirit's way. You are nothing up against him, and he knows everything, and he's the revealer of all truth. Mm -hmm. Let him lead and get out the way because he's not going to push himself on you. And the authority, be subject to the authority of God's word. Jesus made a final promise to the believers in Sardis. He who overcomes, I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. Revelations 3, 5. The one who overcomes is anyone who was born again. 1 John 5, 4. He will receive a white garment. He will receive, he will never have his name removed from the book of life. And he will confess Jesus in heaven. He will be confessed by Jesus in heaven. Luke 12, 8. When I first got saved, I remember um, it was beautiful. I questioned it, though. And I laid down to go to sleep, and I had a vision. And I'm not going to go into it because it's, it's pretty lengthy. But the Lord showed me the book of life. There's a book. There's a book. There's a real book with, real, with everybody's name in it. And you also have a Hebrew name. He showed me the book. This is, this is real. He was letting me know that you are mine. And as the vision proceeded, he, be, he began to welcome me. It was a church full of, I don't know, believers, I'm assuming, angels. But they were all dressed in white. And he introduced me to the kingdom of God. And I remember waking up and I ran to my grandmother's house. And I told her what I dreamed. I was in tears because I couldn't believe what I had dreamed. And she looked at me. She took her glasses off. And she said, baby... God showed you something today. She said, you chosen, and God has chosen you this very day. But don't you leave him, because many people he don't show these things to. Stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord. And I've been doing it ever since, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So the book of life is real. Now we'll move on, Kim. We're on the sixth church. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, who is he is who is true. He who has a key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your work. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which commands, comes down from heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name, and he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now this church is the church of Philadelphia, who we all want to be, mm-hmm. the faithful church. Revelations 3, 7, the description of Jesus, the description of Jesus emphasizes his holiness, sovereignty, and his authority. The reference to the key of David is an allusion of the Masonic prophecy of Isaiah twenty two twenty two. 22. 
Christ commends. I told you it was two churches out of the seven that God had nothing ill to say about them. Philadelphia is the second church. Philadelphia is the church we all should want to be. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia loved God. They allowed the Holy Spirit to move. Mm -hmm. Christ commends them for four things. They have an open door, he says. They had little strength, which means they were a weak church. But they had kept the word of God and they had not denied the Lord. If you want to be commended by Christ, like the church, like this church, we will go through open doors of ministry, depend on his strength, and be faithful to him and his word. What this means for the church today is, if Christ is present and church is committed to him, there will be an open door of opportunity for ministry. Now there it is. Philadelphia, too many churches today look at their physical build. They worry about the money, the finances, and how the church look. None of that's important. It's good, don't get me wrong, because we're here. But do you really think God, God ain't coming back for no church? He's coming back for... Too few people with too little money. Too few gifts and too few opportunities. But remember this truth. When we are weak, he is strong. Christ, the building of the church. Christ Jesus is not up to us. It's not up to us. We depend on the head of the church to give its body the strength it needs. Means that when we are weak, he is strong. That he expects us to be weak because we are vessels. We're not him but he expects us to look to him, the author and the finisher of our faith, the alpha and the omega. And guess what? He alpha and omega at the same time. He's looking for us to look to him for strength. It's okay to be weak sometimes, but keep your faith. Keep your trust in the Lord. Keep the Holy Spirit first, foremost and always. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Get your mind off of things that really don't matter and put your mind on the ministry of Christ. Getting a soul saved. Giving somebody some love. Somebody don't have an offering in church and you see it, it ain't for you to talk about it. Give them some money or put something in there for them. You don't know their circumstances. Keep your mouth off the people of God. For you find yourself in a bad way. It's wrong. Jesus' letter condemns the enemies of Philadelphia. See, he didn't have anything wrong to say about Philadelphia. He condemned their enemies. Persecutors were religious hypocrites. Come on here, Holy Spirit. And would only one day realize that Christ loved his children. The church of Philadelphia would be victorious. Jesus encourages the Philadelphians, believers regarding his future to come. Since they had endured patiently, they had patience. I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which means when the great tribulation come, Philadelphia already had their ticket. They were going with the Father. They were going with Jesus to meet the Father because they were faithful. They didn't have much. They was weak in strength. But one thing about it, when they had church, they had church. They put the Holy Ghost first. They believed in God and they stood on his word. That is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. See, Philadelphia was promised a crown. 
Don't you want your crown? I do. I want my crown. Your reference scriptures is Revelations 3.10 through 11 and 1 Thessalonians 4.13 through 18. The final promise to Philadelphia, Revelations 3.12, he will make them spiritual pillars in the spiritual temple of God, the new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. He's talking about when it's all said and done, the new heaven on earth. They'd be pillars. Galatians 2.9, 1 Corinthians 3.16 through 17, 2 Corinthians 6.16, and Ephesians 2.19 through 22, 1 Peter 2.4 through 10. Those who struggle in weakness, Jesus makes an everlasting pillars in the house of God. Philippians 4.13. Now we're down to the last and final church. And the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning and the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and you have become wealthy and have need of nothing mm. and do not know that you are wretched, mm. miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich in white garments that you may be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness may mm. not be revealed and, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you might see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Mm. Therefore, the, be yeah. zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit Hallelujah. with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Mm. He who has an ear, let him hear mm. what the Spirit says to the churches. Hallelujah. Now, as she said, this is the seventh and the final letter to the churches. This is the church of Laodicea. We call them the lukewarm church. The Lord directed some of the harshest words recorded in the Bible at the church of Laodicea. He said the church made him ill, made him sick. Revelations 3.16, lacking in every way it was compromising, conceited, Christless, which meant again, the Holy Spirit was gone. Revelations 3.14, Jesus identifies himself. These titles define his faithfulness, sovereignty, and power to bring all things to the proper completion. This church had nothing to commend. Spiritual poverty. That's what they had. See, because they was wealthy. They had money. But how many know today is coming today your money ain't going to mean nothing. And it can't get you into the kingdom of God. So guess what? Use it for what it's supposed to be for. Not saying you're supposed to be, uh, you're not supposed to be disciplined. And you're not supposed to save and do the right things with your money. Because it's here for a reason. But when you make your money your God, guess what? There it is. See if it can move a mountain for you. See if it can save unsaved family members. See if it can work some things out for you. It can't and it won't. The Laodiceans were financially wealthy, yet spiritually bankrupt. Didn't have nothing. I'm talking about bones with no flesh, a body with no blood. Just as if you die, your spirit leave. That's how the Holy Spirit had left them. Hmm. They lack spiritual richness, which only come through Jesus Christ. Revelations 3.18, when God blesses the Christians with prosperity, he expects 
He, he expects Christ-centered stewardship. Laodicea, a Christian with wealth, bears a burden of responsibility to discover God's purpose in blessing him with that wealth. See, it's the reason why you have money. It's not just to have it to store up for you. You're supposed to do something with it. You're supposed to bless God with it. Some way, somehow, you let the Holy Spirit lead you, but you're supposed to bless somebody. Just like you're supposed to sow off of everything God give you. Same thing with wealth. Hmm. They're supposed to find God's purpose in the blessing. Him with that wealth and to use it accordingly. They were spiritually naked. Nakedness in the scripture is a metaphor for defeat and humiliation. Sound familiar? Some churches like that today. The Laodiceans pretended to be clothed in righteousness, but in fact they were naked, lacking righteousness, and instead of them on fire for the Lord, they were lukewarm, which means they did a little bit of this, they did a little bit of that. But they come to church every Sunday. They paid their tithes. They had an ounce of Holy Ghost nowhere and no word because the word could have convicted them. But see, when you get used to doing this thing, it becomes a part of you. You, you begin to, the enemy fools you. You become reprobated. You don't even know the difference. They don't even realize God done left the building. And them with their riches. Christ counseled them in order to be procured in white garments from him so that, they, that their shame might be covered. Revelation 3.18. Spiritual, they were spiritually blind. By calling the Laodiceans blind in verse 17, Christ was presenting a paradox. The city was famous for its export of powder that created a salve when mixed with water. See, had a big business and salve. <coughs> even if, if even had some medical benefit. Yet Laodiceans, the Laodicean church, had lost his spiritual perception. The only salve for spiritual blindness is repentance and submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, asking for the wisdom of his spirit and to restore our spiritual sight. Mm -hmm. They had some repenting to do. Mm -hmm. They were spiritually compromised. Mm -hmm. Be zealous and repent. That means repent quickly. Revelations 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chastise. He loves us so much. He loves us too much to leave us the way we are. So he had to tell them about themselves because he still loved them. He's still God. They were Christless. Christ is the only invitation. Christ is invitation only. Excuse me. He will not barge into churches where he is unwelcome. Yeah. Revelations 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come in and dine with him and him with me. Mm. Prophetically, Laodicea is a picture of the church, church in the last days. It's a sad image of Christ standing outside of his own church. But we need to ask ourselves if it is a picture of us. Have we done this to him? Have we left him outside our buildings, our churches? How, I hope he came in. Uh, how sad would it be to own your own home? that you paid for with a price and yet you stand there and can't get in. 
how would you feel? This is how Christ feels today. The Lord has been pushed out of our meetings. Has his word been compromised in our pulpits? Are we too busy with our programs and plans to even notice that we left him out? If Christ is knocking at the door of your heart or church, don't delay. Divide him in. Hallelujah. And that's all I have for you guys. Thank you for listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. If you would like to watch our message live or looking for more information about our church, visit us. Follow us on Facebook, Restoration Church. 